0: There was these guys who started up a podcast, podcast to send it up to you. You got one. You got I one. I got a word. I got a word. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I actually love that album, by the way. That
1: one song that went big was is a good song, but I think the whole album is pretty tight.
0: So is that your Canadian talking, or do you really think that that's a good album? I really enjoy that album. It's in uh,
1: It's in one of my rotations of stuff. The Crash Test Dummies, God Shuffled His Feet.
0: God shuffled his feet. I actually, uh, I also really like that album. It's actually a very good album. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Remember, I've, I think I've told you this before, all of my music taste basically froze in the 90s. So, you know, I've got a few things since then that I still, that I enjoy quite a bit. But that's like, if it came out of the 90s, you throw on some collective soul. Unfortunately, uh, I'm probably going to listen. Who doesn't love collective soul? Are they the runaway train people? No, that's Soul Asylum. Right, right, right. <laughs>
0: I guess I don't like a soul. My bad. Well, that couldn't. That's If that isn't the definition of a one-hit wonder of, is it them or not them? I don't know. I don't know what is. So we can use that as a launching point, I think. Nice segue, JT. By the way, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm feeling uh,
1: optimistic about a lot of things.
0: It does. You know, it's funny. I just woke up this week and felt better.
1: Yeah, you know what? Fundamentally, I feel just a little calmer. I, I like it just feels calmness in the air. Yeah, I don't know why. It's weird. <laughs> it is a little weird. I can't I can't quite place it. You know, maybe something else that was just a single something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, let's hope. Maybe. Let's hope. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> let's move on. Let's, let's so- talk some movies. Yes. Yeah, so this week, our top five one-hit wonder movies could be actor, it could be director. This was a Jeremy category. It feels like a Jeremy category, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, it could be in all sorts of definitions that some of us may have taken somewhat liberally while planning our lists. I'm, I'm just saying, I am confident that they are all in one way a one-hit wonder. I am not confident that there's much more of a unifying theme than that. That feels like
0: a precursor to Jeremy did what he wants.
1: <laughs> no, I just think, uh, no, no. Actually, I, I went a little bonkers trying to find some really interesting ways to look at it. So it's Ooh, less okay. that they did what I want because they, they all will fit. Yeah, I, by the way, some of the things you could debate with me a little bit, but the, the central theme I adhere to.
0: Okay. I like it. I, so I'm excited. Cause I also tried to do, look, we'll get into it, but, but realistically there felt to me, like there was some really obvious stuff and the obvious stuff was very, very much not interesting to me. So I wanted to find things that were mildly less obvious. So I'm interested to see where we both went.
1: As you were saying that JT, I go back, I'm looking at my list. I'm like, Oh, are some of these obvious? I, I, hope. <laughs> I think, I think there's one. I don't know. We'll see. In my Pong, I definitely have some more, more uh,
0: lower hanging fruit, as they would call it. Sure. Sure. Well, before we get to that, before we get into anything, uh, I think, Jeremy, why don't you describe the rubric this week? What's your rubric?
1: You know, JT, there's no rubric this week. What? Yeah. You know, I was sitting there with a spreadsheet, you know, consulting with uh, friends of the cast and everything. And the, the most, I, I came up with a couple of things. I got some tips on a couple of things, but none of them really felt good. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, if this is a one hit wonder, like, like again, using my references from last week, there's no single unifying theme between Mbop and torn, right? Like they're just songs, right? Correct. So by that same standard, I just have five different entries in the list that, uh, that, that I like. So, Unfortunately, listeners, you will not get to hear about my spreadsheet creativity this week. Um, But I promise for the next applicable category, since I don't know what next week's is going to be, it's coming right back. Because I felt a little I felt a little loss in not being able to to tabulate. No pivot tables, (laughs) no formulae.
0: There's just no orienting factor for your list this week.
1: My conditional formatting is way off. You know, it's all red. <laughs> like, what am I going to, uh, you know, it's embarrassing, everybody. How could I do a movies podcast without a spreadsheet in front of me? I guess I'll just have to try.
0: Yeah, well, listen, welcome to my world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no rubric, but I am, uh, I am ready with some fun stuff. And I don't know about you, I've got a Shawshank.
0: So I also have a Shawshank. And after my mistake last week, I think this is genuinely a Shawshank.
1: Okay, you want to go? For, you're up first this week, so you want to go first on on this? Sure.
0: So I'll give you. The movie came out on February 17th of 1989, and it's a 62 on Metacritic. And my my five words is only four words: uh, the ultimate history lesson. February
1: 1989. Yep. Lousy Metacritic: the ultimate History lesson. Well, if the ultimate history, if, if the ultimate thing is if we don't learn from history, we are doomed to repeat it, what could that mean? I would almost, I, I almost want to cynically guess like Groundhog Day because it's repeating, but that's, that's obviously funny. not it. Uh, no, I, I don't have a guess so far.
0: All right, so I went with a person for this one, and it's, uh, Alex Winter.
1: I accept Alex Winter. He's in my Pong. It, it's, it was really tempting. I almost wanted to put him up here. And my uh, what I wrote in his Pong description was, also start as a vampire.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, it's good.
1: <laughs> I, I accept uh, the movies Bill and Ted's, obviously. Yep, Bill and Ted. Uh, yeah, Alex Winter. And as a reminder, the Shawshank are the things that are like the ultimate of their category. And therefore, we don't talk about them because we don't need to spend any more time on them.
0: That's right. So, what is yours? July 30th,
1: 1999. 81 on Metacritic. About a bunch
0: of sticks. About a bunch of sticks. 1999. Okay, so this movie is in my wheelhouse age wise. It's a July movie which doesn't mean it's a blockbuster, about a bunch of sticks. Oh, boy. I have no idea.
1: Uh, I have no other real clues, per se, because they're just not going to get there. But uh, the movie is The Blair Witch Project. Oh, interesting. Because everybody involved with it, that's all they ever did. And it was like this crazy story. I don't remember the exact level of profitability, but it's one of those like they spent like a hundred grand and they made, you know, a bajillion. And it's irrepeatable because even other indie films like Clerks never could get to those kind of numbers and returns. So I'm calling the whole thing a one hit wonder. As much as I hate what it did for shaky cam and movies,
0: that's uh, that's my that's my pick. I'm I'm floored right now. That's like such a that's it. That's it. We should just stop the podcast. Well,
1: or the, or leave it in silence for the next, you know, how long do we talk for? Three hours?
0: You know, according to right. Jeff,
1: about two days. <laughs> about two days. And then at the very end, we'll be like, thanks for listening, y'all.
0: <laughs> uh, no, dude, that literally is a perfect pick because that, I mean, director, actor, construct, everything about that was a single moment. And then all of it just absolutely disappeared. That is such a good entry. I'm so mad I didn't think of that. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Uh, br- brilliant. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Thanks, buddy. It was originally in the
1: top five. And the more I thought about it, and the more I was starting to write some notes. I was like, nope, this is the whole enchilada.
0: Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, OK, so before we launch into top five, we do have our Alpha Deus car- uh, category, which is um, Elf and Amadeus. This is just honorable mention. So stuff that we've talked about enough on the podcast that fits the category, but we don't need to go deeper. I do have one. Go for it. I have nothing. Okay, so I'm actually going to use this as a blanket because I tried to stay away from this entire genre of one-hit wonders to one extent. So Uh the movie came out November 16th, 1990, and I'll give you my five words as sociopath goes after burglars alone.
1: (laughs) This is in my Pong list. Uh, Good friends with popular musician. Musician.
0: Oh, okay. So Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Yeah. Who's he, which, which one are you? He's friends with like a lot of weird people. Who are you referring no, to? No, but he was like Michael Jackson's buddy. Oh, Michael Jackson. Got it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Macaulay Culkin, we've talked about, I don't want to talk about home alone anymore. However, I'm also using this as a, there's a lot of kids that fit this category and I just straight up sidestepped basically all of them. I'm, I'm
1: I didn't that's fine (laughs) I didn't go too far on it I didn't go too far in it because it is like it's just such a well of opportunity because so many kids have done that but I tried to pick only the ones where I felt like it was a really signatory 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 that sounds like a word (laughs) I I, it's gotta be a word not it's on the cast yeah okay fair enough
0: so you've got no no alpha deus
1: for you no nothing i i I have some stuff i'll talk about in pong that probably could have fit in here but i'd rather talk about them a little in pong i'm okay talking about them i'm not yet done
0: with these people fair that's totally fair uh all right so i think that means this week is me yeah oh yeah you're first okay So uh, where do I want to start? So it's tough because I have like three that I am like really in love with, and two that are real. I really like, and they're the right picks for me. Uh, I'm going to go with this one. Okay, so September twenty second two thousand with a ninety on Metacritic.
1: September twenty
0: second. Okay. I will give you. Oh boy. Anna Paquin and Francis McDormand.
1: What were they both into? This isn't. Anna Paquin wasn't in Fargo. Nope. This isn't Fargo. Nope. And it's not. It's not the piano,
0: is it? Nope. I'll give you the five words. All right. Five words are, Aspir- aspiring writer confronts death, love.
1: Anna Paquin.
0: Is it Almost Famous? Almost Famous.
1: Oh, the uh, what's his name? The, the Patrick, guy. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Patrick Fugit. Yes. Yep. I was about to say Billy Crudup, but he's done other things. No, it's Patrick <laughs> Fugit.
0: Yeah, so... So I toyed with this being an Alphideus because yeah. I have talked about Almost Famous before. However, I could continue to talk about Almost Famous probably forever. But more importantly, this performance was so one-off and so sort of special that I'm not going to talk about the movie. I want to talk about him in the movie. That sounds great. I am i don't think we've
1: talked, over-talked this movie yet. I think it's still, I think there's still some, it's got some legs.
0: All right, good. So the only piece of trivia I thought was interesting about him is that uh, he sent his audition tape in and it got lost pre-delivery and he somehow got to do like a screening with Cameron Crowe and Cameron Crowe was impressed enough that he gave him the lead role on a single screening, which is, that's wild. Wow. Uh, Also one thing that I, I, I thought plays into why I liked him in this movie. So his voice actually broke during the filming of this movie just because of how old he was. Right. And there's something about his performance that is just so like, it's so authentic. And like, maybe that's why he didn't get work after this was because he just was William Miller and he wasn't so much acting. I don't know. But what, what I saw in him, there's this, there's certain moments in this movie where he is so impressionable and you like, You just feel him hurting, but not because he's crying or because he's like being extended, overextended. He just is like he's very present and he's killing it in this movie. And it's just like special. It's very singular. Uh, And I don't need to go into like all the stuff because he was surrounded by Billy Crudup, who was amazing, and Kate Hudson, who is Penny Lane and was so good. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was so good in this movie. And yet his performance as William is kind of the one that sticks out. And around all those other people, Penny Lane, you could argue it's it's the two of them, right. but to, to even hold up to everybody else that he was around, it felt like he should have done a lot. Like that's a big achievement as an actor to be able to do a Cameron Crow script with those kind of actors around you and like shine and then to just sort of like disappear into the ether. And not specifically because it looks like he felt like he didn't want to act anymore. Like he has a bunch of other credits, but this, none of them are good. I don't know. It's weird. It's a great pick. I, uh, I I I don't. It didn't come to me. I love the pick.
1: It if it had come to me, it might have been in my top five as well. Because everything you're saying, I agree with. I would I would surmise, if I may, Please. that his performance. He was the. Actually, it's funny because I'm I'm just watching The Last Dance. He's he's not the Scotty Pippen of the cast because now that I've learned more, how unbelievably talented Scotty Pippen was, uh, right. He's someone else on that team, you know, where where Scottie Pippen and Jordan and et cetera and Phil Jackson are creating this opportunity. Right. So I wonder how much being around Philip Seymour Hoffman and around Billy Crudup helped him take this role on. I'd love to know like how many little tips was he getting from those guys. Like they gave him so much to
0: work with, right? Yeah, that's so like he's like Ron Harper. Of of that 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 90s, 94 to ninety six Bulls run, which is like, yeah, he's really really good on that team, but if like if you put Ron Harper in Portland by himself, it's like, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I think it's a great pick, and
1: I, I also think you're right. Like his performance is performance is very genuine, and and that's that's sort of why I'm formulating this mild theory right here is the character that he plays is a young wannabe who's starstruck by those he actually gets to be around and tries to do the best job he can do with these, with this crew. I wonder how much like almost famous
0: is the Patrick Fugit story. Dude, that's so good. That's such a cool theory. That's like a really, really cool theory. I've never heard before and I've read and watched everything related to this movie. That's really interesting. Thanks buddy. I'm just going to leave that where it is then. Yeah. Let's move on. I don't, we can't top that. Keep going.
1: All right. So I've got my first selection with a Metacritic score of 64, August 6, 1999, and an IMDb overall 163rd. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is which is by the way a recurring theme for these mid-60s Metacritic movies where IMDb loves them but the critics don't necessarily. Yeah. Keep going. The cast is a hard to not give this one away, so I'll go slowly with it. Maybe I'll give you two, and we'll see where it goes. Sure. One would be Olivia Williams
0: and Tony Collette. Ooh, okay, fan of both of those people. You said ninety nine, right? I did. Oh boy, Tony Collette in ninety nine. Uh, nothing happening yet.
1: A. Five words are
0: robot kid paid it forward. Robot kid paid it forward. Oh boy, 1999
1: robot kid. I, I'm twisting it up a little. That those five words are slightly more the person than the movie.
0: Okay. So slightly more the person but I'm just trying to think of, like, 1999, like, who was a robot kid? Like, there's that movie with Bicentennial Man. But am I hung up on the wrong thing right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a bad clue. Uh, let me try off the cuff. Uh, protagonist unaware of own
0: state. Okay, so that's making me think. And it's funny. I was thinking of Haley Joel Osment before. Is, is that it? You got it. Yeah. Okay. So this has got to be, why can't I think of the, the name of the movie? Give me a second. It's Bruce Willis, The Sixth Sense. That's the movie. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> and it, it's, it's interesting. Cause I was taking into account similar thinking. I'm like, I don't want just a list of five child actors who for whatever reason didn't, didn't blossom. And truth is actually, he made a bunch of movies and some of which including AI where he was a robot kid and pay it forward where he, you know, Oh,
0: very clever! This is that's very it's a very clever clue. Now, yeah, I get it.
1: How's that working out for you? That being it, clever, thing?
0: It, it, not great. <laughs> There's a
1: that's a quote from Clerks. There's this one scene <laughs> where Dante's like, "How's your clever ruse?" <laughs>
0: that's right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I love that bit. Your clever ruse. Uh, so I wanted to pick someone who, to me, exemplified. Like, I think his performance was phenomenal. I remember at the time thinking exactly the following. How come this guy wasn't young Anakin? Because, you know, Jake uh, Jake Lloyd was fine, but he was more yeah. of a sort of typical child actor who doesn't have as much range. Haley Joel Osment was awesome in the sixth sense. Like, you had not seen many child actors at that level of, of range of emotions like, he acted. He was an actor, right? An actor. He did a great job. And, and to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. By the way, have you seen Haley Joel Osment recently?
0: Yeah. Have you seen his beard? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He was in. What was he just in? I just saw him in. Oh, he's in. Um. Oh, what's the, the superheroes on? Uh, oh, Amazon. the boys. He's in the boys. He has like a two episode stint in the boys.
1: His, uh, I'm just looking at the picture right now. His his beard is like as almost as big as like a small dog. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, anyhow, he did a great job. It turns out he actually did audition for the part of Anakin Skywalker, and never heard back. Didn't even get a like, sorry, kid. Just nothing. Just, no callback for Haley Joel. No. So I don't know. If, I don't know if Lucas ghosted them or what. But uh, harsh. I think. I really remember that feeling like, man, that sixth sense kid would have done a much better job as baby Anakin than that yeah. other kid did. And lastly, he became, first of all, by the way, his first actual role, he was in Forrest Gump for, for a hot second there. So yep. I didn't realize that the interesting thing is he's also like a semi pro golfer. He was on some of America's team in uh, 2005, like, He's had an interesting life. He's a musician. He's, he has done a bunch of stuff, but like, I think it's safe to say his performance is sixth sense. Was a one hit wonder.
0: I think that's fair. He's on the line for me of almost not being considered because like that Jake Lloyd kid would be a more definite one because that kid has done nothing. Like he, he, he gets arrested a bunch. Like that's the only thing that he's ever in the news for. True. But he also,
1: it wasn't a hit. That's my argument here. Right? Like the movie was a hit. Fair. But you didn't come out of that movie being like, I can't wait to see Jake Lloyd in a hundred more movies. Whereas right. we all that like that was the talk of the town when Haley Joel Osment did this thing.
0: Yeah, because he was in that movie with Michael Caine and Robert um, and Robert Duvall. Michael Michael Caine. Michael, Michael Michael Caine. Michael. Caine. He you. was in that movie with Michael Caine. Uh, what was, I can't water for elephants. No, that's the other one with Robert Pattinson. Whatever. whatever. He was in some movie with those two. He's, he had, he's had a, he had a nice little child career, but yes, none of them were the sixth sense. Totally reasonable.
1: I almost, now this is where my thinking was. I almost put, uh, Mr. Shyamalan, him, uh, Shyamalan. Am I Shyamalan? Shyamalan? <laughs> Am I Shyamalan? For a guy who does a podcast about movies unprofessionally, <laughs> I sure have a poor memory of names. I own that. I accept that. Anyhow, I almost put him in because if you think about it, everything after the Sixth Sense was basically referencing the Sixth Sense in some way or like a, a watered down version. But the reality is, I went. You know, you do enough reading. Like people love uh, Unbreakable. Uh, even Signs was had a huge follow, and these these were big movies. They weren't like he had another starring role. Like he had a small role, or all of his future movies flopped. Like the movies did well, they're not in the same league as Sixth Sense, but I couldn't quite—I couldn't justify it well enough.
0: Yeah, uh, he—he's had too many commercial successes, I think, to be a one-hit wonder. Even if you argue that this is like his penultimate, this is his penultimate work. His other work still got radio play. If we're going to stay in the like the the music category construct,
1: is is penultimate second to ultimate, or actual ultimate?
0: Oh, for some reason, I think I'm using it as though it's the number one number one, and I've been using it that way for 35 years, so I really hope that's right. Uh, is it wrong?
1: We'll find I out later. We'll have to check, but I I actually thought Penultimate is not the best, but is the one right under the best, like second
0: best. I mean, you're probably right. I don't know what I'm talking
1: about. Oh, I, No, look, I can't even remember an actor's name that I want to talk about in the mo in, in, in this podcast. So, but yeah, I had enough time to do a Google it's next to the last, apparently it's the next
0: to last thing in a list. That's what it is. All right. Well, I'm using it wrong for sure. My whole life then. So thank you for that. Uh, All right, moving right along past me (laughs) not being able to use words correctly. Uh, This one is the one that I struggle the most with because I actually have another one that I want to use instead, but I don't know as much about the movie. And this one is a different thing. So July 20th, 1979 with a 91 on Metacritic. Mm, 1979. Okay. I don't know. I'll give you Daniel Stern. Well, I'm assuming it's not Breaking Away. It's Breaking Away. Breaking Away is back on the list? Yeah. So so Dennis oh, Christopher. Christopher. Dennis Christopher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So peddling into Hollywood oblivion was my four words. Oh. <laughs> so here's why. Well, the main reason is because podcast. Like, because we've talked about this on the podcast and I thought it was fun. And this movie genuinely did not exist to me until you told me about it. And I watched it, and you also introduced it to me in like a hilariously appropriate time in my life because I put more miles on my bike last year than I put on my car, and that's an absurd thing. Uh, Thank you, pandemic. (laughs) But the thing that stuck out to me and the reason that I wanted it on the list is he was really good. And like watching this in 2020, knowing that this movie came out in 1979 and having no idea who this guy is felt weird. I was like, how can you be this well-revered as a movie and be this good in this film? And it's a film, in fairness. Like, it's a film. Right. And this dude just ghosts. Like, now come to find out, he's had 86 acting credits. Most recently, he was in a movie that you just watched. Yeah, he was in Django Unchained. Yeah, so he's Leonard uh, Mogi, um, which was crazy because, like, I actually recently rewatched that because you said that you watched it. I'm like, I should watch that again. But like, I just, I don't know. It was so weird watching this movie because I really love the movie. It's really interesting. It holds up incredibly well considering it came out in 1979. His performance is like clearly really strong. And then to just have him not really do anything again just still really sort of surprises me.
1: Fair. Very, very fair. The craziest thing, I was trying to look it up. He and, so Paul Dooley played his dad in Breaking Away. He and Paul Dooley were in an episode of one of the procedurals in the 90s, something like a CSI or a Law and Order or Criminal Intent. I don't remember which one it was. I'm going to find it after we talk. But they basically play a father-son pairing in this episode. And it was like, and they're the guest stars, you know, so one of them is obviously the killer and the other one's not or whatever. Or maybe they both kill. I don't know. It's a procedural. Right. <laughs> you, you know the drill. You do. But I remember I remember watch whatever it was, because I watched that show and I watched all of those back in the day, and seeing them come on, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's the guys from Breaking Away. How cool is this? And then I just sat there like hoping the rest of the cast would show up, which they didn't. Right. But yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a that's a great, great take. Again, you've managed to take one of my movies and subvert it toward your own selfish, selfish needs but I love it. I I love the pick. And I also agree. I think he was great in this movie. Uh, He does a nice job as the perfect kind of coming of age arc, right? He has just enough wild eyed innocence, but also enough kind of strength of character. It's a good pick, buddy. Thanks.
0: Yeah. That's
1: all I got. All right. Moving along then. You know what? I'm going to join you back in those happy seventies. Okay. Okay. So from a movie on August 3rd, 1977, a Metacritic score of 55, Ooh! neither of those clues will be even remotely helpful, right? Nope. Hey, late 70s movie with an average review, name one, right? Um, you, I, either these three names will like lock you in on it, or you'll just still be like, nope, no idea, buddy. So the names are Bernard Lee, Desmond Llewellyn, and Lois Maxwell. And of the three, Desmond Llewellyn is definitely the most, he is well known for a thing. And by the way, of the three, all three were also considered for for the whole list here. But they didn't make the cut for reasons which we'll talk about.
0: You could have said any names there. I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. So my five words, I tried
1: to get actually really hintable as opposed to like trying to obfuscate. So I'm trying, I'm channeling my best for you, buddy. I hope you get this one. Okay. Bond Bond
0: villain plus happy cameo. Bond villain plus happy. So I'm assuming this is a happy days reference. You could assume other things. Plus happy. Bond villain. Happy. (laughs) Just so you know, changing the intonation in your voice doesn't change the word. (laughs) No? Uh, Uh, I have no idea what
1: you're talking about. The actor's name is Richard Keel. Okay. And the role he played was Jaws from.
0: Okay. All right. I see it now. Go on. From the spy who loved me. Yeah. 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 I Abby. get it. No, it's, it's a good, no, it's a very good clue. I just honestly orienting in late seventies for me is so hard because I've, I, I'm just, I'm pulling from, I'm pulling on threads to begin with. Yeah. No, it's a great clue. I just screwed it up. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Um, now, what's also interesting is, again, like probably everybody who's
1: going to make our list, uh, Mr. Keel had had an acting career. He passed away in 2014, by the way, but he did 80 uh, odd movies. Uh, he wasn't Happy Gilmore as I tried to find the exact quote. This uh, the, the, the 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 golf ball landed on this giant's foot or whatever the, the phrase is. Yeah. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. I, I yeah. I know. Yeah. The guy with the, the nail on his head is all I can think of. Yeah, the thing that leads
1: to uh, I'll meet you in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I loved Jaws as a character. When I So I grew up on James Bond movies. And I have not actually tried showing them to the kids because I've rewatched some of them recently enough to know how slow they go. And, yeah. and they are very dated in so much of how, not only how they tell stories, but so much of the shtick, like the cool gadgets and everything. We now have that in like Fast and the Furious and etc. kinds of franchises. So unfortunately, my kids are growing up in the James Bondless world. I, I I do aim to correct that maybe as they're teenagers, but you know I don't know how that's going to go. So Mr. Keel was seven foot two, and I just I just want to read the one sentence of his bio on IMDb because I just loved it so much. Towering seven foot two tall actor who has cornered the market on playing giants intimidating henchmen, Bayou swamp monsters and steel tooth villains. (laughs) So I have nothing negative to say about the man. It's very obvious that at seven foot two, you're just not getting the chance to make that many movies unless there's a basketball movie where you don't actually require basketball talent. And you know, there's not many of those. So, you know, Good for him to end up in this acting career. He, he he sort of fell into it in a way. He was going down a different path and uh, did a lot, a lot of movies in the 60s and 70s, apparently mostly as the bad, crazy monster guy.
0: That would track. Yeah. That's a great so, pick. Yeah, it's a draw. great pick. Thanks. I like it. Uh, all right. I'm going to go into, uh, do I want to be clever? Do I want to get this one? I'm going to get this one out of the way. So July 19th, 1995, with a 68 on Metacritic.
1: July 19th,
0: 1995, 68. Okay. So let's let's give you Brecklin Meyer. And is this Skeet Ulrich in, in Scream? No, but that would have been so funny. I should have done that. Is it one of the guys in Scream? No, it's not.
1: Darn it. I was really hoping uh, I was going to get Scream.
0: I'll 95. give you... Here's my five words. High school loser as if... Oh, I'm pretty confident... Comp- oh, wait. It's not... Is it Clueless?
1: It's Clueless. But wait. who? Hold on. Let me think of... It's not Paul Rudd because... Cer- you know. Certainly not. Is it Alicia Silverstone? It's Alicia Silverstone. Ooh. Is she a one-hit wonder? I got to
0: think about that for a hot second. I, I want to hear your take. So you go through it. So technically there's – so there's a this cast is crazy. You can also do Stacey Dash, but Stacey Dash is crazy and who cares. So <laughs> this one genuinely surprised me because I wrote it down. I was just like doing something else. I'm like, oh, Alicia Silverstone. I'm like, eh, she was in Clueless and she was in – she was in – Batman and Robin. Oh. So let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> oh, I had to say it. Sorry. Cause it's such a terrible movie. Go on, go on, go on. But literally what happened is I was like, I couldn't think of a single, a single other thing she was in until I finally landed on Batman and Robin. And then I was like, Oh, and she was in blast from the past, I guess too. But both those movies are terrible. Like neither of them are very good. And I then couldn't think of anybody, like anything else that she's done that was meaningful. She was in tropic thunder as her, like as herself for like two seconds. So I went and looked on her IMDb page, and she has a ton and ton of stuff. It's like 68 acting credits, and none of them, none of them stood out to me, not one. So I was like, you know what, as far as I'm concerned, if you take into consideration, Brittany Murphy was in this movie, rest in peace. She had a huge career. Donald Faison was in this. He has a huge television and a couple of good movie career. Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd, right? Mm -hmm. Like even (laughs) yeah, he looks he looks younger now. It makes no sense. Even Brecklin Meyer, who, like, is kind of a bit that guy from the 90s in a lot of stuff, has gone on to do, like, a bunch of other movies that, like, kind of stand out. Other than, like, I think of her, and I immediately go, Clueless, Aerosmith videos, and then I get to movies. I think this is her one-hit wonder. I think she's a one-hit wonder. I
1: I got to say, I think you're right. I, I'm, I, was, I pulled up her IMDb really quick, and what happened? Yeah. And I saw that movie where she was shoved in the trunk of a car, uh, <laughs> you know, just following that kidnapping theme. Um, what was it? The the one with I think Ashley Kut? No, not Ashley Kutcher. yeah, She's she's like uh, thrown in the trunk of a car, excess baggage.
0: Oh, sure. Okay, that sounds like a bad '90s rom com. Yeah, it's bad.
1: It's interesting because to, this is this is definitely a generational thing. For me, I was more surprised that that's all she did. Because you're like you're like baby JT when they, like this is you're what like 10, 11 when this comes out.
0: I was ten. This movie could not have been more in my wheelhouse, but that's why I don't think of her as a one hit wonder because Cher, the character Cher, was such a big part of my movie understanding at the time. Yeah, and and now I I go back and I mean I again I was trying to think of it and I, I got to Batman and Robin eventually, but I was like oh that movie was terrible, and then I was like oh and then she was in Blast from the Past, also bad. And I couldn't think of a single I think she was in a movie called um uh, what was that horrible baby the the babysitter or um whatever. Trash, trash, been, trash, trash, trash,
1: trash. I think everybody's been in a bad movie called the babysitter. Just, yeah, just sort of feels that way. Yeah. No, so, a, this is a really good pick, buddy. This is really good. Cause cause my my you know, this is the the nearing the end of my college time. She was huge. She was like insanely popular. But I'm starting to realize like she was just popular for being popular.
0: Right, so she was popular because she was attractive and she was really good in this movie and she was like a socialite and around, but she didn't do work. She wasn't working. Like she was just at award shows and she was out and about and stuff. Like, I don't know, it's interesting. One other random piece of trivia I want to ask though, not related to her, but interesting for the movie. So Amy Hecklering wrote this. Do you know the other two big writing credits that she had? And then very few uh, others.
1: One is Fast Times at Ridgemont High, right? Didn't she write that?
0: I don't think so. If she did, I totally missed
1: it. Uh, or, or no, I do. There is something else she's done. It was actually I told you i do this little nerdy trivia league thing. There was an Amy Heckerling question in it about Are you sure it's not Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Well, she directed.
0: She didn't write, though. Ah, okay. Okay. No, I didn't know what else she wrote. What else did she write? So as a writer, she wrote, look who's talking and look who's talking, too. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was fun the 18th was not good where
1: get Air Bud guest stars and look who's talking 18 no good not as good not as good actually that would be a good crossover I'm just going to say that right now Air Bud gets to talk and you know we go find whatever Steve Gutenberg's doing these days to take care of him <laughs> I think we got ourselves a winner
0: I bet he's available <laughs>
1: I'm by the way, I'm still sitting here like I got the Amy Heckerling thing right, even though not the writer thing, but I'm very happy that that has stayed in my in my memory better than Sir Shmall- Shyamalan. M. Shyamalan. That's the one. <laughs> I've never been able to say his name. I don't know why there's no good reason it's it's easily I could just practice it on phonetics or something. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I'm sticking in the same time frame as you. I'm in the 90s, okay. All right, I'm ready. Metacritic score, 59, which is far lower than I was expecting to see. December 20th, 1997, because on IMDb, it's 21st of all time. What? Right? 59. Oh, boy. All right. Keep going. The cast won't help too much, I don't think. Nicoletta Brasci and Giorgio Cantarini, And the five words is... Created fantasy amidst darkest horror.
0: That is a very poetic five words. Regardless of whatever else happens here,
1: I, I actually put the most work into these five of all of my entire list because I had to get it right.
0: So yeah, I mean it, that it, that's like a it sounds like a haunting haiku. Um, <laughs> let's see. I mean, just because of the names and because of the time frame, I think this is. You said ninety seven. Yeah. It makes me want to go with Roberto Benigni and Life is Beautiful, but... Nailed it! Okay. <laughs> that's the one. All right, great. That's great. That, is, that, that five words is so... That's so pretty. That's very well... Very, very well done. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I, this was one of
1: mine. As soon as I started thinking about the list, his name was on it. Even though he's had quite the career in Italy and I, you know, we don't want to... Not include that, but from a Hollywood perspective, he came, made this movie, blew people away with it. People love this movie. That's why I was so shocked about the score. He did such a good job in the role. I have a hunch it's because at the Oscars, he then proceeded to act like a minor bit of a, a little too too much buffoonery for the Oscars that might have sabotaged some stuff. I loved it too, right? He's like, when when you see a performer genuinely thrilled with something that happened and just go into a little nuts with it. We should be lauding that, not applauding it, not lauding. No, lauding is also good, right?
0: God, I don't know any
1: words. I don't, I don't know the words. He did good job.
0: (laughs) Uh, I, so first of all, I want, that's my second favorite, like moment at a, an award show of all time. And like, and it's because he genuinely was so joyful, right? Like, he was just so, so joyful. Uh, it's a really, really great movie, and I'm embarrassed that I don't have it written down because it is such a clear one-hit wonder across the board.
1: The only thing I couldn't figure out, buddy, how come this guy's made Pinocchio twice? He made Pinocchio the movie twice. Once as Pinocchio, oh. once as Geppetto. Oh, Really? Yeah, like if you remember a couple of years back hearing that Roberto Benigni was making a Pinocchio movie, you're probably in your head somewhere like, yeah, yeah, I think I heard that because he did in 2002 and then uh, in 2019 decided to do it again.
0: I appreciate his commitment to excellence, question mark? I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. All right, buddy, back at you. All righty then. Uh, let's go with Hmm. I didn't really plan well for what I wanted to do. But yeah, let's do this one. Uh, okay, so I'm going to end with my fun one, so this is my less fun one. November 20th, 1998, with a 62 on Metacritic. 98,
1: 62, fall movie of 98.
0: It's not Swingers, is it? No, it's not. Okay, go on. Uh, let's do. Oh, this is tough. So Elliot Gould and Farouza Balk. I'll give you. Uh, wasn't Gene almost famous? Um,
1: yes. Elliot Gould, though. What did what? What is this pairing? I'm going to assume this is animated. Am I right? No, it's not. And also, oh. I'm I'm like ninety
0: percent sure you haven't seen this movie. Oh, okay, all right. So let's hear the five words. Five words is in finding truth, discovers death. Ooh. Hmm.
1: Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, hmm. I like that description. All right. What 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 did we
0: have? Uh, this is American History X. You're right. Never saw it. Right. So I, I remember you bringing this up before. And so I don't want to go into a ton of it because you really do actually need to watch this movie. However, the reason it's on the list, there's two reasons. So one is Edward Furlong, who was in T2, is also in this. But he was really sort of like he's kind of a one hit wonder in the T2 thing. Unless you really like this movie, he was very good in this movie. But the real reason is Tony Kane. So this this is a movie that Tony Kane directed. Um, Tony Kane's history is. Just wild, dude. Like, he's so wild. He has 23 total directorial credits to his name. None of them anyone's heard of. A lot of short films. He took 16 years to do this one quasi-documentary. Like, he's a very weird dude. Um, The story of American History X as a film is also very interesting because of Tony King. So Furlong and Norton basically were constantly changing and and got Kane to the point where he wanted to quit um, wow. and and claim that like their tinkering with the script is like so radically different than his own. Uh, he was so unsatisfied, unsatisfied with Ed Norton's performance that he still feels as though this movie is unfinished, which is crazy because most people were, were like, like this is like Ed Norton's swan song. Like this was like sort of the beginning of Ed Norton for a lot of people. Ed Norton re edited this film to lengthen his screen time so much so that Tony Kane tried to get his name removed from the movie. Wow. But he couldn't because of some weird rule with the Directors Guild of America. So, like, somewhere there's a cut of this that has either his name completely removed from it or he has a pseudonym that he puts on it because of how much he doesn't like it. That pseudonym is Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> and he eventually sued for like $275 million for first amendment rights. And it was a whole, like, I didn't know any of this backstory. It's absolutely wild, but this is a really, really good movie, like a very, very good movie bordering on film. I mentioned once on the podcast, that like the first time that I ever saw uh boondock saints, I was like, oh, this is, like a, this is like a vibe. Like they're trying to make a film. This is clearly a movie, but they're trying to do it in film ways, the way they cut and the music and all that stuff. This movie knew exactly what this was a film. Like this movie was intentional use of black and white, very, very heavy subject, incredible performances throughout. Um, it's provocative and dark and super hard to watch. It's actually kind of a singular thing. Uh, and because of that, like regardless of how crazy this dude is, like him and Ed Norton and Furlong all hate each other but they nailed it. Like it's a very important piece of cinema to me because it opened up the door to me wanting to watch more serious movies. And you know, his favorite thing is his favorite, his biggest inspiration is Kubrick. And you can see that throughout the entirety of this film. And I just, I'm it's, it's very impressive. And I'm even more, I wanted to watch it again now, knowing how much they all hated filming it because it didn't, it doesn't feel like it came through to me at all in, in any of the performances, but also it's been a long time since I've seen it. So. Sounds like a solid pick. I mean, the movie was definitely
1: hit, and I never heard of that guy, so right. I, I, I'm in. <laughs> and by the way, I couldn't help but think that when you said uh, <laughs> Fur- Furlong and Norton, that just sounds like a, a great store. Like, I, I went shopping at Furlong and Norton and bought some some knickknacks or maybe some right. some sailing equipment. I'm not... Meh.
0: Either that or it sounds like uh, the discount version of Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs>
1: Mm, that too. And then since we are on a masterpiece session of the English language today and, and whatnot, Swan Song is actually the thing at the end of your career, not the beginning.
0: Yeah, whatever, dude. Just keep making me feel bad about myself. You're nailing it.
1: No, no, no I'm messing up too. This is mutual, poorly done vocabulary. You can't say one dude's name. <laughs> Which is Shama, okay. Lama, ding dong.
0: <laughs> not that either.
1: Right. All right. Are you writing down that I just smacked my lips right there? Because I heard you do it.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: I think you should leave that one in and this in just so everybody knows how much work you do to make our pad- podcast sound good. So there you have it, people. The, the, the fact that you now heard me go, which I occasionally do when I speak, as do many humans, JT puts in that effort every week so you don't have to hear it. But We're going to let him have this one. So he was just, you know, five extra minutes back in his evening. I'll leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if now you actually cut it because I would. I won't remember. All right. I'm so torn on the way way to do the last two because they're both fun, and they're gonna have to. You have to twist your thinking a little bit. Let's let's go with a Metacritic September nineteenth, nineteen forty one. Oh boy, <laughs> a Metacritic score <laughs> of ninety six. Okay, <laughs> five stories. No dialogue, classical.
0: Five stories, no dialogue, classical. So no dialogue makes me want to go with the Marx Brothers or Chaplin 41. I don't know, man. You have seen this movie. Oh, five stories, no dialogue, musical, Fantasia. That's the one. Yeah. All right. I know it had a sequel, but I'm going to
1: say that Fantasia is a one-hit wonder as a movie type. There are no movies like this. There's nothing else ever been done like a Fantasia. This is a, other a than 10. Fantasia 2000 of course, but you know, that will just that's like a part 2. It doesn't really, you know, doesn't really count. No, it doesn't. So
0: that's I you know
1: I was I I was thinking like what's what's a different way to think about things? And I started trying to figure out like is there, I almost thought about Kubo and the Two Strings, but yeah. I'm going to assume that we will see other movies from that group. So 10 years from now, when we're on episode 482 of the podcast and we're revising the the One Hit Wonders category, if those Kubo folks don't come out with another movie, that'll be on the list. There you go. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thanks. So uh, I don't really have much to say about it. I just, uh, I just thought it would be a fun fun little way to look at things.
0: No, this is a really, really cool pick. Like, because I'm, I'm thinking about it, like obviously in real time, because that's how your brain works. But, I, um, yeah, this is like it is. There's no other movies. I'm trying to think. Like, nobody else really did this. Ah, oh, that's cool. That is genuinely a one hit wonder. Huh? That's neat. Neat pick. Thanks,
1: buddy. I was gonna go with like Stokowski or something like that, and then I went looking up like how many words were spoken because I couldn't remember how long the narrator talked. And then I really wanted to tie in the Arrested Development narrator joke into my five orch stick, but I don't remember how how clued in on Arrested Development you really are, because for me it's like I can quote the whole series constantly. So I figured I'd be too geeky on that front.
0: Yeah, I've 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 seen the series one and a half times through, I think, ish. Like I've seen a couple episodes I've gone back and rewatched, but I can't go nearly as deep as you can.
1: You've made a huge mistake.
0: so I've been told many times Uh, alright so this will be my last one and I am it's funny I have one that I think is better than this but this one makes me really happy so October 4th 1996 with a 71 on Metacritic October 96
1: by the way while we were talking before I realized that Swingers I I believe was ninety. Six and Clerks was 97. This could be Swingers. The reason I keep thinking about Swingers is it is in so many ways, but not quite because both everybody involved in Swingers went on to huge. I mean, it's amazing, by the way, everybody involved in that movie went on to huge things. So it's not that. All right, give me something else.
0: Let's give you Ethan Embry and Steve Zahn. I know Ethan
1: Embry from this era. I feel I'm going to know this
0: one. All right, let's hear the five words. From selling out appliances to arenas.
1: Oh, this is bugging me now. (laughs) I'm sure I know this movie. And it's really, really frustrating
0: all right go ahead uh no i'll get let's give you some uh, more people because you'll get there eventually um let's give you live tyler and Charlize Theron. i don't know if any more clues are going to
1: actually help me get the thing
0: because here's might... a huge
1: one rita wilson i got nothing buddy just what, what do we got
0: so this is that thing you do
1: ah yes
0: Here's uh, why it's a one-hit wonder though. Darn this it. Is- <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, so, this movie was on my tinkering around with list, and I didn't come up with an interesting angle on it, so I want to hear what you have to where you have to go with it. So
0: Tom Hanks is a one-hit wonder because he this Hink is his, Well, hold on, I'll do the pun later, but <laughs> This is his first writing credit and his third directing credit, and as a writer director, he's not done anything else that's even remotely interesting. Huh.
1: So, so we're, we're you're one hit wondering Tom Hanks, just not as an actor, not as an actor. Nice, right? That's a lot of fun. That's a great. Can, can uh, I
0: do that? Yep. You you start <laughs> on this podcast? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Good. So. I obviously like everybody knows I love music. So this, this movie is a lot of fun. Like this movie is genuinely a lot of fun. It's, it's a very, very fun little romp. It's sweet. It's believable. It's clever. It's kind of like paced Well, it's easy. It's highly rewatchable. You can watch it with kids. There's no like weird stuff in it. Um, what I think is interesting is it showed real promise. Like if you, if you remove yourself from the fact that he's Tom Hanks and just looked at this as though your writing debut you'd go, this is good. This is like good script writing. Like this is a good story. It makes sense. It moves along well. I like the character development. It's not overly convoluted. It's like, it's good. It's really, really good. And it was directed well too. He did Larry Crown after this and Larry Crown is meh at best. Like Yeah, it's a bit, I, it's a bit meh. <laughs> yeah, so like this would be like, he gets rom-coms, he gets fun, he gets silly. And, you know, as a writer director, he was a one hit O or wonder as they are in the movies.
1: Nice. I like I that. Tie- For that tie in alone, it's all worth. <laughs> it's all worthwhile in every way. I, and I would say it's funny. I, I enjoy the movie. I don't think I like it as much as you did because my feeling on it when I when I saw it was I felt like it was a little bit messy. Like it just tries to take each storyline a little further than it needs uh, and has one too many. It's 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 like a too many notes kind of situation. It's just like one one too many story beats that they try to develop instead of really developing the rest. Uh, I didn't I didn't think that that's such a good pick, buddy. It's a good pick.
0: Hey, thanks. I, and by the way, I don't disagree with you. It's not a brilliant film by any stretch. I actually thought seventy one was it was a little high. I was like, oh, I thought this would be like a mid to high sixties at max. But it, yeah, if six cents is
1: a sixty four. <laughs> and yeah. life is be- and life is beautiful as a 59
0: right how how is that thing you do a 71 but regardless of that again if you remove yourself from tom hanks being tom hanks and i think the criticism you just had of it for a first time writer director you'd be like this kid's got promise right yeah you'd be like yeah keep up t- keep keep it up kid you'll get better
1: never damn got right. better damn right <laughs> maybe because he's Tom Hanks and you know, I think it's like Jordan playing base, uh, baseball. It's like, right. Sorry, you're Jordan. We want more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. As it turns out, he didn't have to write and direct because he could do any film he wanted at any moment in time. Uh, But you know what? If he felt like the need to go back, we've seen that he can do it until he does. This is his only shining object. It's great pick. A lot of
1: fun. All right. For my last and definitely bizarrest pick of the bunch. I'm excited. December eleventh, nineteen eighty-seven. A okay. Metacritic score of fifty-six, which again I would consider far lower than I was expecting. This you will not get this by thinking of this as a one-hit wonder. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. The cast includes, and this is I had to go far out of the main cast characters to try to give you people that you might recognize because I think you know the movie. Hal Holbrook, Terrence Stamp, and Sean Young.
0: Okay, I know Hal Holbrook. the other two guys, have names that feel like I know them, but I don't actually know if I know them.
1: Sean Young was the uh, the police detective in Ace Ventura, the uh, Laces Out. One. Okay. <laughs> she, was, uh, she was in this. Terrence Stamp, uh, you might know, he was the chancellor in The Phantom Menace, but he was also <laughs> in, in Young Guns. He was the, the guy in young guns? No? Okay, no.
0: He's a great actor. Like,
1: he's, a, like, he's a tremendous actor. But I'm trying to think, but his his time was a little back there. So
0: this no. is 1987?
1: Yeah. So here are your five words. Maybe overstated benefit of greed.
0: Maybe overstated benefit of greed buddy, you're killing the five words today. Like they're all really good. And I feel like I'm letting you down. Um, Maybe overstated benefit of greed. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Greed is the key word here. Well, greed is good, but it can't be. Is it Gordon Gecko? Is this Wall Street? The movie is Wall Street. So that puts you at four out of five guesses
1: that that. You had today, sir. I just wanted you to realize four out of five of my picks, you guessed, but both in each case sort of did the, well, it can't be that.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, it just doesn't feel like I'd be right. (laughs) I'm usually not right.
1: (laughs) I'm going to have to read this one for why it qualifies.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to hear how in any way, shape or form this is a one hit wonder. All right, here you go. Wall Street is the only film
1: to date to win both an Oscar and a Razzie. Michael Douglas won Best Actor and Daryl Hannah won a Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress.
0: Oh, funny. This is funny. That's very funny. That's very funny. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically it.
1: We don't even really need to talk about Wall Street because it's a lot of fun. And I think we've talked before about uh, Daryl Hannah's performance. And apparently she was actually going through some troubles at the time. Yeah. Uh, So I, I, again, in my quest to find some clever way to analyze the category, only film to win both an Oscar and a Razzie.
0: This is so good. That's very, very clever. Very clever. I like it. That's great. I never in a million years would have ever, that wouldn't even, like, how did you even come up with that?
1: Uh, I went looking, actually, I went looking at the Razzie's list is what happened is I went looking, I looked at the Oscars list to start one from one perspective. And then I went looking at the Razzie's list from another perspective. And, and in each case, basically I looked on the Oscars list for lousy movies or the movies I just didn't feel really fit. I really wanted to find a way to put Shakespeare love in here. Cause to me, this is one of the least wor- Oscar worthy movies of uh, of modern times. Uh, the one I was going to put in, but I haven't seen it, so when I asked a clarifying question earlier this week, The Artist, which won Best Picture a few years ago by, again, oh. nobody's ever heard of any of these people ever, and that's that, yep. but I haven't seen the movie myself, so I couldn't, I couldn't vouch for it. Anyhow, yeah. on the Razzie's list, I'm scanning up and down, and all of a sudden I see Wall Street. I'm like, Wall Street won a Razzie? How's that possible? And then, here oh, we go. Down That, that is... To-
0: Uh, That that is a hysterical take and uh, kudos. Just well done. That's very well done. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, man.
1: Yeah. But why is it got a 56 metric? I'm going to have to go dig in. Like, I know it's not a perfect movie, but it's not a bad. 56 is a bad movie. Like, if I told you to go see a movie and you saw 56, you're like, do I have to?
0: yeah right. dude I got the, the more we've done this podcast because now we have looked at I mean literally uh, I mean we got to be upwards of almost a thousand movies that that I've researched at this point just on volume sure. alone like metacritic is is just all over the place like so much of it depends on the time like mm. when 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 was the last time it was refreshed like because a lot of these movies are getting really bad scores for the time but I think they're looked at better now or they get were looked at really well back then and you watch them now and go ugh. So, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, yeah. Obviously, it's a subjective craft, but can,
1: can we come up with a formula to adjust Metacritic's score by inflation?
0: Uh, yes. I think we because should. Because the
1: truth, because what you just said actually is interesting, there are also movies that are really highly rated, but are hard to watch, right? Yeah. So maybe Metacritic just doesn't reflect watchability all that well or modern uh, watchability.
0: Modern watchability modern score watchability. would be
1: interesting. We're going to have to put on the list, how about top five. Most surprising Metacritic scores. That could be interesting.
0: We now have the. I have enough here between my Contender Pong for the <laughs> last thirty-five episodes to to have some stuff where I could just scan and find out. uh Okay, so I have one. I want to. I want to throw one curveball. Okay, which is before we go into Contender Pong, I want to put one additional entry in that is that we'll we'll use it as my start to Contender Pong, but I actually think. It's one of the most interesting things that I came across in researching this stuff, but I I can't go deep enough about the movie to do it justice. So uh, February 19th, 1993 with a 90 on Metacritic. It's not... um... It's not Schindler's List again, is it? No, I'm I'm done with that. I'm not going to do that anymore. It's sorry. It's nineteen yeah, nineteen ninety three. That's about so. It's after. Okay, go on. Let's Because I'm thinking of good movies. It's a really good movie, and that's the problem. Is like, it's a very good movie that I just haven't seen enough or recently enough to like really be passionate about it. But I actually think this is. I'm most impressed with this as a selection of all the stuff that I picked, except for Tom Hanks because I thought that was fun. Okay. So. Let's do Forrest. I'm just going to be obvious about this. Forrest Whitaker. Uh, Miranda Richardson. Steven Raya. Are you trying to tell
1: me that the crying game has a Metacritic score of 90? Yeah, I am. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the secret of the crying game is that it's actually kind of a terrible movie.
0: Well, it's not rated a terrible movie. It's I a guess nightmare. not. I guess not. Yeah. So that's crazy, by the way. I, I agree that like I saw that and I was like, but that's really nuts. But more specifically, it wasn't for The Crying Game. And I don't want to talk about The Crying Game. It's Jay Davidson. So sure. Jay Davidson. Was,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was being built up as like, this is the new Tom Cruise or whatever. This guy's going to be huge.
0: So was in The Crying Game as Dill. And genuinely has four total credits, like period at all. And one of them is for the crying game and got an Oscar nom in the crying game for best wow. actor in a supporting role. And uh, I think also in that
1: movie with aliens, if I'm not mistaken, Stargate, right?
0: Yeah. So Stargate's the only other, like, so the four total titles that Jay has as an actor is Crying Game, Stargate, Jiggery Pokery in 1994, which was a TV movie, and then the Beguild Project in 2009. So when you talk about One Hit Wonder, to come out of the gates in the Crying Game and then Stargate and then poof, it just felt like I was just like, this is, that's weird. That's weird. If you think
1: about that, it's very weird. If you think about the timing, probably leverage the Crying Game's buzz to get the Stargate role, which thankfully is very small. Yes. Uh, I did not like The Crying Game at all. I, for those of you who don't know, and I'm going to put you in this camp. When this came out, how old were you? Seven? Six? Yeah, seven. The buzz about this movie was off the charts. Oh, People really? talked about The marketing campaign is, what is the secret of The Crying Game? The Crying Game has a secret. Like You should go find a trailer for it and watch that. Okay. Um, and and that's why my shtick is, the secret is, it, it kind of sucked. <laughs> like, it just wasn't a great movie. Uh, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I, I don't know why this is. I won an Oscar! Gosh. Ugh. <laughs> and by the way, it's not. Um, it's not the secret or anything about the story itself that makes it about it. I just don't think it was a very well done movie, despite the phenomenal cast. But just as, as storytelling goes, I thought it was. This was like before twists were big. Actually, I wonder. I wonder nobody talked about twists back then. I, I would wager that it was the sixth sense that really shifted that around, but crying game definitely deserves the credit for like massive twist in the movie.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Well, so, and I think maybe like now that I know that you don't like it, it kind of, it, it takes a little bit of the punch of me thinking that this was a really good pick away, but just like Jay Davidson just really felt like the pick because I was like, dude, nobody has ever one hit wondered that hard.
1: Well, for the second time, to be
0: fair. To be fair.
1: To be fair. It was 92. The buildup for this movie was off the charts. Maybe it's actually a really good movie, but the build up I think the buildup and the positioning of the movie, this is one of those marketing, it's like Hancock, which we've talked about a little bit. Hancock was yep. built one way. And it's actually a totally different movie. Crying was built up as sort of the suspense thriller and it really isn't a suspense thriller. So it's very possible that, what would this be, 20-year-old 20 twenty-year-old me? Yeah, about 20-year-old me went into the movie theater expecting this really crazy thriller movie and ended up with this sort of weird, twisty, sort of drama. I guess it's just a drama.
0: It's just a drama. It's, a it's just twist. a
1: drama. Yeah. So I think it's okay for you to ignore 20-year-old Jeremy's perspective on this movie, but 47-year-old Jeremy is going to keep saying the secret is it
0: sucked. Yeah, that's so. I right. listen. If for nothing else, for the shtick alone, it's worth it. So that will be my first entry into Contender Pong, and we can launch into yours from there. All right, nineteen
1: seventy-one. Metacritic score sixty-seven. Do we do Metacritic's for the Pong, or we skip those these days? Yeah, you could do it. it. Won't hurt. Oh, why not? Has complex relationship with Grandpa. <laughs> nineteen
0: seventy-one. You said, uh huh? Complex relationship. I don't know why that made me laugh. It shouldn't have. Uh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, I was actually going to try to play off last week's episode and say, and instead just have the worst grandpa of all time. Okay. But it's so not totally it. true.
0: Uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> not really the worst. Grand- I'm sure they have many movies with much worse grandpas, but I think you would have you picked up that one, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Oh, so who are you using? Are you using the kid or the grandpa? Yeah, both Peter, of them, Peter no, yeah. Peter Ostrom. No, Peter Ostrom's the
1: kid. But this one fell into my category. What you were saying earlier at the very beginning, like. He was a child actor. I don't know that he was a particularly great one or not. I I don't really have much of a a take on that, but a particularly famous one that, you know, I think we we as adults are surprised that we don't see a lot of Peter Ostrom performances.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, All right. I'm going to go with 1986, a 62 on Metacritic. This is what I think one of the, like, again, a lot of these are the obvious ones, I think, and I'll give you, that's not a knife.
1: Oh, Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee. I thought about him. Good pick. Good pick, sir. <laughs> I love it. I love that you picked that one. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm just doing a quick count to make sure I got my number right. So the number is in uh, multiple roles. We'll call it, I think my final count seven. World's greatest
0: self-deprecating spy. World's greatest self-deprecating spy, Rowan Atkinson, Mister Bean.
1: No, seven film performances in the role.
0: Oh, oh so he, oh there's seven. Oh boy. Oh, what's a movie with seven? So something has seven movies, and he's a spy for seven movies. Oh boy. Oh, I'm gonna be so sad that I don't get this, but I'm not getting it.
1: This is James Bond played by Roger Moore. Roger Moore, whereas Sean Connery went off to do other things. I almost did George Lazenby, who literally played James Bond once. But I thought Roger Moore was funnier. Now is when I want to mention the other names I gave you earlier. Desmond Llewellyn was Q, Bernard Lee was M, and Lois Maxwell was Money Penny. And they all had other things. Desmond Llewellyn did multiple other roles. They all have had other careers, but they're all basically known for those roles, including Roger Moore. Whereas everybody else in the whole pantheon of James Bondness has done other stuff.
0: So, this is so my, my not James Bond knowledge is showing. I didn't think Moore did seven, I thought he did fewer than that. So, that's just me not knowing the franchise that well.
1: It's also, by the way, only like really grown up me looking at him as like the self deprecating spy because he was. That's part of what he brought to the franchise is Sean Connery was pretty serious, like your ladies' man, et cetera. And Timothy Dalton to took it a different way. Roger Moore sort of made fun of himself a lot, which yeah. which was very, uh, again, as a kid, my first James Bond movie was um, was For Your Eyes Only. Okay. Right? Before I knew that Chris Walken was, was the Christopher Walken and all that kind of stuff. So Roger Moore was the James Bond I grew up on. I had to sort of learn to like Sean Connery as James Bond afterward because as a kid, Roger Moore's actually a much better James Bond. He's funny. He's goofy. He does weird things. You know, Sean Connery's your deadpan. Like he, he he does like the real James Bond in retrospect. No disrespect right. to Mr. Moore, but you know.
0: Well, it's funny because I, I have a couple of people in my life who are big James Bond fans, and almost um, I think universally all of them have a real soft spot for Moore, even though they don't think he was the best Bond. They all like him the most.
1: I think that's all nostalgia age, because I'll bet you if we go – Talk to older than me, it's all Sean Connery. And younger, it's probably either Sean Connery or Daniel Craig.
0: Right. It certainly isn't Pierce Brosnan.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, if we're going to go down the James Bond rabbit hole, I think Pierce Brosnan was a phenomenal James Bond in phenomenally bad movies. Like, yeah, that's fair. Like, to me, he's not quite as bad an analogy as David Tennant's uh, um, Doctor Who because he actually had great writing also, but compare the writing to the years that came after him, especially like the uh, the, the Matt. Oh my God, I'm forgetting his name too. Anyhow, that guy. Let's just move <laughs> on, shall we?
0: Sure. So uh, I'll give you November of 2001, 64 on Metacritic, friend of Wizard, Frogs, Ladies. <laughs>
1: Wizard, Frogs. I'm just trying to put the wizard and frogs together. Uh, is this like a princess and the frog thing? Nope. Is a friend of frogs. <laughs> Wait, did we talk about this recently? There's some actor who's really into frogs or something.
0: No, you're you're hung up on the wrong thing. Focus on the wizard thing. What year again? Uh, well, the first performance was in 2001, but similar to your oh, kind of, this is
1: this is so this is Lord of the Rings. Nope. No. No. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Oh. So this which, is Rupert, Rupert. Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint. Yes. Yep. Great pick. Great pick. Yeah. Love it. Uh, all right. 1984. Metacritic score of 71. You're, this is a you know it or you don't kind of kind of clue. Believes anything for
0: a steady paycheck. Uh, it's not happening quickly, so I don't know.
1: It's Ernie Hudson as Winston Zedemar in Ghostbusters who's got a great line where, where any Potts says, do you believe in all this? And he says, I'll believe anything for a, stay, for a steady paycheck.
0: Okay, that's great. Yeah, and Ernie Hudson's a good pick. Although, he, yeah, he does other stuff, but that's clearly who he is. Funny enough, I, I now think of him as he was in Grace and Frankie, and he was really good in Grace and Frankie on Netflix, but that's clearly not who he actually is. <laughs> uh, I'll do 1977 with a 90 on Metacritic. Farm Boy Becomes Hero. Bad dad. It's Superman. No, it's here. You're, you're going to, you know, this one, this is an easy one. Farm boy becomes hero. Yeah. 77 and it's a 90.
1: Oh, 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 oh yeah. Okay. Uh, eight <laughs> equals plus, plus a joker.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Mark Hamill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I forget the plus the Joker. Right. Cause he did the, um, which one was he? He wasn't, he, he's a, but he's the voice actor only though.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah, yeah. the voice actor for like all of the recent animated Joker stuff. And he's great yep. at
0: that too. Yeah. He
1: is. Yeah. I had them in my, I have in my Pong also. It's a fun pick.
0: Yeah, it is. All right, go
1: ahead. Uh, oh, there's my Alex Winter. This one's a stretch, but She's so known for this performance, but she actually really did have more of a career. But 1975, a Metacritic score of 83. Worst healthcare worker in history.
0: Oh, uh, this is the woman from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? It is. It's Nurse Ratchet,
1: played by Louise Fletcher, who actually did have quite a career, but she is still known more for this than anything else she ever did.
0: So funny enough, I've had two people reach out to me that we missed her for last week. (laughs) Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We did. Yeah. She made uh, me, she made me angry. She actually, I, I was reading an interview with her. She does not like talking about the movie. She won't watch it anymore. She's come to realize she's like, I can't believe I contributed to such cruelty.
0: Yeah. That's, like, yeah,
1: But at least it was on film. It's not like you actually tortured these people.
0: Right. It wasn't like an experiment. It was fake. <laughs> uh, so mine, I'm going to lean into I don't want to give you too much of a hint, but this is, it's a continuation. So 2002 with a 54 on Metacritic slave turned villain is dead. Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, The next I have two left. I'm just having a little bit of fun with these 1999 with a Metacritic score of 73. Mind blowing,
0: but sequels don't count. Ooh, Mind-blowing, but sequels don't count. I don't know. Or maybe I should have said, but
1: ignore the sequels or something like that.
0: 1999? Yeah. Uh, is it Trinity in The Matrix? It's just The Matrix, the whole thing. All of it, the whole yeah. deal. The whole deal.
1: <laughs> if okay. you just say, ignore that, th- like, the only reason the sequels made money is because they were sequels to this thing, but they're just god-awful movies. So gotcha. – Matrix, I consider a one-hit wonder. And you can say the Wachowski uh, sisters as as your real example because everything they've done since has been pretty meh.
0: Yeah, in comparison for sure. Um, Okay, I've got a a couple more. They're all fun. They're all quick. So August 1987 with a 65%, nobody puts baby in corner. Uh,
1: I know the movie, but who are you thinking? So Dirty Dancing – is
0: it Jennifer Gray? Jennifer Gray.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess her sister role in Ferris
0: Bueller is pretty minor. Pretty minor. She's like not. I mean, she's important. She's you know, she's a role, but it's not like. I mean, that's not like a huge deal, right? Like, it's she's not the right. lead, right? Arguably, she's like the fourth or fifth list listed on that. You know, as far as who's acting in it.
1: She's a clear Hollywood nepotism thing, by the way. Her dad's Joel Gray with a yeah, huge career. Yeah, yeah. All right. Last one. This is my last one, by the way. 1993 with a Metacritic of 68,
0: mind blowing, but this but ignore the sequels. 1993,
1: yeah,
0: mind blowing. Ignore the sequels again. In okay, what what was a franchise that started in '93? Um, Jurassic Park. Yes. Okay. The first
1: one was amazing, and nothing has come close. Like they, they just don't need to do these anymore if they can't write good stories. Which they can't- Yeah, it's
0: rare. The Chris Pratt ones are only interesting because the dinosaurs are cool, but everything else about it is pretty pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, they they fall into the uh, Pacific Rim category to me, where they've got like really fun eye candy and some individually great shots. But as yes. movies, like uh, the first Jurassic World with with Chris Pratt was so, I thought it was so disappointing. People liked it. I don't give it. Any, I, nothing. It's nothing
0: for me. It's dead to me. I hate it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right. Let me rip through some other ones because I got like a couple more. So this one is a threefer. So it's a single movie, came out in 1999. It's a 58% on Metacritic. There's five, I'll give you five words, but I think there's three people that all apply for this. So foreign student impacts baked good. It impacts what? Baked, baked good? good.
1: Yeah. Foreign student Impacts bake baked good. Not baked yep. goods, baked good. One particular baked good. <laughs> one baked good, a foreign student in nineteen ninety-nine. Is this American pie? <laughs> yes. And basically the whole cast, like Jason Biggs and uh, Chris Klein and so most importantly, so Jason
0: Biggs, yeah. So Jason Biggs and Eddie K. Thomas are the two like like the but Shannon Elizabeth is the one so that we watch. That you felt like at the time you're like, she's gonna be in every movie ever, and then wasn't. No. Right. Even, Probably even for Stifler sure.
1: only got it's got a few other Stifler had a few other roles that were kind of fun, but you yeah. your it isn't a good pick. The whole movie and everybody associated with it, hands down.
0: Yeah, with the exception of Eugene Levy. Uh all right, well, so yeah. let's let's do November 2002, 77 on Metacritic. Bunny Rabbit up Chucks Mom Spaghetti. Eight Mile? Eminem,
1: yeah. <laughs> but Eminem in Eight Mile, right?
0: Eminem specifically yeah. in Eight Mile, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do 1984 with a 60 on Metacritic, wax on, wax off. Uh, Ralph,
1: uh, no, the, the, other, the other, the Pat Morita. Or, or
0: Ralph Macchio is who I was thinking of.
1: So it's funny because Ralph Macchio has one other role of prominence which is in another movie where I was going to have another person. The role was in uh, My Cousin Vinny.
0: So it's which, funny. So he was he was in My Cousin Vinny and he was in The Outsiders, but I don't really think of him being the thing in those movies.
1: He's definitely not the thing in Outsiders. That's fair. But I think in My Cousin Vinny. So I wanted to do Marisa Tomei in My Cousin Vinny because her, her performance was so standout until I went realizing that she's actually had multiple Oscar nominations yeah. Like I've always liked her as an actress, but I thought that that was kind of the uh echelon above, but the truth is she's actually just a really good actress. And I haven't seen some of her work. So yeah, I,
0: I adore her. Uh, but uh, I,
1: okay. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to allow that one because uh, my cousin Vinny was
0: too big. That's totally fair. Totally veto. <laughs> Cons- consider it vetoed. Uh, okay. I got one more serious one and one jokey one. So 1996, 77%. Show me the money.
1: Cuba Gooding. Yes,
0: sir. Junior, yeah, he's done a bunch of other stuff. None of it's been good. Yeah, he uh,
1: he's one. Of the, he has a weird theory on math. He like he has a thing where he, I, the, This is the whole thing. You will look him up. He's one of these people. They believe that one plus one either equals one or zero. I can't remember, but there's like this whole really weird thing, and he's he's in it.
0: Okay, fair enough. You, just uh, Google
1: Kuba Gooding Junior Math, and you'll find it.
0: Okay, uh, okay. This is my last one. My last one is. It started in 1987, but is a string of movies. This particular one has a stunning, I think the lowest ever referenced on the podcast, potentially 24 on Metacritic. We might have gone a little bit lower than that. Uh, But the five words is lovable loser leads delinquent children.
1: 87? Yeah. But it's a series. It's a franchise. Oh yeah, it's it's not Airbud. No, although that that could have been then. Airbud could have made it eighty seven.
0: I just want to get this one. Are they still making these? No, he unfortunately passed away. I think in like twenty fourteen.
1: Is this uh, Ernest the uh, Ernest
0: guy? <laughs> yeah. Jim Varney. Jim Varney. <laughs>
1: Ah, poor Jim Barney. Ernest, when he first showed up on the scene, he was hysterical. Before his movie, I don't remember where where we saw the Ernest character.
0: Uh, So I know that he had like a TV short. I didn't research too hard, but like, I just like, obviously, and look, he actually, oddly enough, he was also the voice of Slinky in all of the Toy Story stuff. So he had like a voice acting career after, but like, and he has a lot of, I don't remember how many roles he actually had, but it was like a fair number of them. But you want to talk about like being typecast forever. Like you can't get away from Ernest. Like once your Ernest goes to camp, goes to jail, goes to whatever, goes to Guantanamo Bay, all the places Ernest went, like that's just, that's who you are now.
1: For darn sure. I'm going to go find out where this guy got, got a thing. Cause I remember when, I remember the introduction of the Ernest character. Like I remember this guy showing up on scene. So I got to find out from where, from whence he came. It's not an SNL thing. No, it wasn't SNL. But it's somewhere out there.
0: I'm sure it's findable yeah. on, on the old internet. Probably. Yeah, look, that one I, I think you and Jeff at some point had made mention to Ernest being like a thing. And I remember Ernest very much as a little kid. It's like a five, six, seven year old. Like those movies were coming out when I was like in the wheelhouse of seeing them. So yeah, I wanted to end with Ernest. Great
1: pick, buddy. Your, your pawn game today was quite strong. I, 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 I got to say, I, I really liked your picks. I, it was a lot of fun to run through those.
0: I appreciate it. Well, listen, that means that we need to pick for next week. Uh, and it is my turn to pick for next week. Yes? It is. All right. So I had a couple that I was kind of toying with. But I think what this one, this one definitely led me to what I want to do. So next week... I want to do our top five guilty pleasure movies. Ooh. Ooh. All right. So it will be a highly personal list. Um, but I think for Pong, we should lean into not just what you, what's a guilty pleasure for you, but movies that you know are guilty pleasures of others as well. So we'll, well that's, expand it.
1: Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Is this what like movies that are sort of universally considered guilty pleasures
0: I think, yeah. So the way that I want to define the category for now, as always subject to change, but basically movies that are sort of like revered and understood to be guilty pleasure movies. And if you, if you or I have one or two surprise ones, I think obviously we will always have the room for that. But in general, it should be approached as like movies that are known to be not move, not like for some reason you really think labyrinth is a guilty pleasure. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be something more like universally understood to be.
1: But we're, gonna, we're not going to include things that are maybe like uh, universally loved, like, uh, like a Mean Girls, which is a pretty good movie and lots and lots of people love it. But people might like treat it as their own guilty pleasure. I, I would say that that does not count.
0: Yeah, un- unless you have a very strong case for why it should, I would say those ones don't count.
1: Awesome. I love this category. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I think this one will be a good time. All
1: right, now JT, do you think you could uh, maybe remix a little, little of that lovely magic by the one-eaters to, to finish off this week's episode? Uh,
0: I would love to do the Oneeaters as a one-off. Um, I just, you know what, Jeremy, I just want to say thank you for this being a penultimate episode.
1: <laughs> it, you know, it's like our first episode; it's the swan song of our podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks for letting us be your one-man, everybody.